Hi, have you ever wondered what you should be feeling when you meditate? Well, that's what we're going to cover in today's podcast. I'm Matthew and Sarah, your host. And today, in my meditation room in New Orleans, we're joined by Dr. Lisa and 13 guest participants. Welcome to Higher Purpose Healing. Here, we experience how to naturally heal the mind and body while enjoying an exploration into energy to achieve the full freedom I feel we all deserve. During this podcast, you will have an opportunity to meditate with us, or you can simply gain tools and tips to improve your knowledge base, perspective, and above all, elevate your mental well-being. Visit MatthewAndSira.com, Matthew with two T's, A-N-C-I-R-A, Com to learn more about Eastern-based healing options and upcoming educational workshops and scheduled events. Disclaimer, people are sharing their real experiences in this podcast, which can include adult language and graphic material at times. All the information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not establish a doctor-patient or therapist-client relationship which is only formed when you sign an agreement in person. For any medical questions, consult your primary care physician. This first podcast session was not recorded using any equipment or with any preparation for acoustics, so please forgive the sound quality. Now on to the podcast. Please enjoy. I do ask that people participate. If you're comfortable, you don't have to, because that validates other people's goings on inside when we do our exercises or practice our tools, you might think, is this really real or is this happening to me? And then when other people share, then you realize, wait, I'm not alone. More importantly, for the people that are not present here, I want them to understand that they may also experience things that only when validated from other people may actually hit home. So I'd like to, as always, go around and you can introduce yourself and share why you're here and what you hope to get out of this. And then we will embark. So. My name is Sheree, and I am um, getting a little bit more these days in my older age into mindfulness. Oh. Hi, I'm Wendy, and I just um, I'm here because I really enjoy meditation. Oh. I'm Marsha, and I've been doing meditation for about four years, and I just enjoy the group energy. It brings it to another level. Oh. Um, I'm Kate, and uh, I I try to meditate, but I've been having a lot of blocks with it, so. Um, looking for an opportunity to, to get some help with it with other people. Excellent. I'm Tiffany, and I'm um, hopefully we'll learn how to meditate a little bit more. It's fine. Good deal. I'm Ben, and um, I also meditate on and off, but like trying to keep it more consistent and also just enjoy the group energy as well. Very right, cool. I'm Lisa, and I'm here not just because I'm the better half of Matthew. I'm also here. Um, it's true. The group energy is um, brings that energy to my personal meditation to another level. So I can go a lot deeper with a group rather than by myself. And so I relish any time I can um, be with a group and meditate. Oh. I'm Tali. I'm here to learn how to meditate. I try on and off, but I just want to know more about it. Good deal. I'm Jane, and um, I like these classes. I'm Jesse Lynn. I'm all about learning something I know. I'm Matt, and I enjoy working on my interior self 
partner. Um, I'm Poe, and I just love the setting. This is my third time, and every time's different, so I want more. I'm Sylvia, and I want to learn more about meditation. I'm Emily. Yeah, I'm here to learn to meditation. Thank you. So this actually, this particular workshop is because of Celia. After each workshop, I ask if there's anything specific people want to work on. And for me, meditation is life. It's everything. And meditation is a state of being. So what that means is if you can be yourself, if you can be in the moment, if you can be aware and concentrate, but be relaxed, which is an art, you in essence are in a state of meditation. So all the practices are designed to help you to get into the state of being. They are not meant to be forever the only path into meditation. There are pathways to meditation. Most of us live in fight or flight. And most of us live in fight. Resistance, numbing out, ignoring, or flight, which is very closely related. So that's the sympathetic nervous system. The goal of meditation is just to get you into the parasympathetic nervous system, which is designed to heal you. If you can sleep well, you should arrive in that parasympathetic state where your body recovers, your organs get to regenerate. If your mind won't shut down, however, you don't get that state. And that's a challenge. And I know many of us here are challenged with that, correct? Yeah. So five minutes a day is really not a lot to ask. But everyone's excuse is I don't have time. It's not that you don't have time. It's that you have a level of fear associated with feeling that sitting by yourself almost forces you to do. Because if you were to let all the stuff around you fall away, all of the outside external environmental out of your control elements of life, what are you left with? You. Relationships are going to be as quality as the relationship you have with yourself. If you're not willing to sit with yourself quietly, daily, in some form of reflection, how can you understand what your relationship is to yourself much more how to relate to the people you want to be with. These people can be your children. They can be your parents. They can be your partner. They can be strangers. They can be teachers. All people. I can feel that that resonates with you. And part of meditation is, is to get you into a state where you can feel and not only is it about you feeling you, once you can do that, then you can feel everybody else. Now, women, of course, feel everything, period. 
the problem there is, is they keep it in and they usually don't voice it. Most of them. They don't want to hurt anybody. They're caretakers. They live through the heart. They use their heart energy. But the problem is they suffer a lot as a result. So Lisa was saying that she went to the Jesuit mass for our son yesterday. And why don't you share with the... I was just sharing with it about the meek and strong men, how um, we don't have enough strong men in our in our culture, in our society. And um, the priest said that he spoke with a, a friend of his who works with a, not, a lot of not-for-profits, and she said she encounters this a lot. And the strong men um, are few and far between, and she said the weak men aren't confident, they don't stand up, they can't make a decision, they complain a lot, and it always goes back to their being a victim. Um, and so this priest with this 250 boys tried to relate to them to be a strong man, to ask for help and show vulnerability, so when you need help, that that's different from complaining. And so he tried to distinguish that difference um, which I thought was really great because my 13-year-old likes to complain a lot. And so um, it was nice that he was teaching the difference between a strong man and, um, and a weak man for those young men. Thank you. So men at large don't like to ask for help. Meditating is helping the self. So for all the men out there, that's important to understand and recognize. Because we're supposed to be the leaders and protectors of our communities, not the perpetrators and problem creators of our community. And so the more men that show up to do work on themselves in this evolution that ultimately is requiring males to go inside, the place that women live, and why we see so many women coming out of themselves to do things that, not that they can or shouldn't or should, it just needs to be done and it's not being done. And it's not about competition, it's not about equal rights, it's not about any of these things, it's about self-respect. And so when you meditate, and when you take the time to do so, it is a form of self-respect because you're getting a chance to release. So let's just take a minute Posturally, you need to be comfortable with whatever you choose to do. One of the tools and tips to build awareness I like to use is wherever you choose and however you choose to put your hands, attempt to keep them in that position throughout whichever exercise you're partaking. And there's a lot of things to do in meditation. I think the gap between people's doing a practice and understanding if they're practicing properly is knowing what they're supposed to be getting out of the practice. Anybody can sit still and get relaxed, and that's a great thing to do because it's better than feeling tense and stressed. However, if that's the only thing you get out of it, you're missing a lot of opportunities. If you keep your hands in such and such a position that's comfortable to you, and you just simply note when you want to scratch, itch, move, That's building your awareness, which is one of the pillars of meditation. You can only be as present as you're aware. Your feet. We're given this earth that is part of us. We are part of it. 
every one of our lineage, our ancestors are down there in that earth in some form. At least the energy of them. When you walk on the earth and you garden, the earth will feel your needs and it will start to pull all the minerals into the food in that garden that your body specifically needs. It's amazing. And this is how we used to live a long time ago. So why not put your feet on the earth when you meditate, right? So that's the connection. The feet themselves represent doors. Everything in life is about a door. Your resistance, your numbing out, the fight, flight, or relaxation, they're all doors. Are you going to open the door to relax? Or are you going to keep the door closed and resist? Even though the knocking persists. Because the self and soul wants to be known. So when your feet are in, with the heels just even to the pinky toes, your door is open and it also retains your energy as you cultivate it. When your feet are out, unless you're 100% cultivated, you're letting all the energy pour out of your body. I had a gentleman come in here for body work and he complained about being tired. He was in his 70s. I said, look how you're standing. And his feet were out. I simply asked him to correct his posture. And in that moment, instantaneously, he was filled with the energy of the earth and felt better and not tired. So if it works for him, it works for you, right? This is a universal principle that all people should know. When I learned this, it took me three months. Every time I stood, every time I sat, I had to look at my feet and correct a little bit, right? Usually the right because we drive and our foot is turned out. So it's created through the muscular posture that way. So that being said, two very basic tools for your day to day, whether you're at work, sitting, working, whether you're standing in line, waiting, notice your hands and what they're doing. Your posture tells you everything. And notice your feet and see if you can maintain your energy. So with that said, let's all close our eyes. Take three deep breaths in through the nose and out through the mouth.
with your eyes closed, I want you to feel the energy in the room and notice the changes that have occurred. I want you to feel the palms of your hands, how they feel, and the bottoms of your feet. Let your elbows drop to the earth. Let all the muscles, <coughs> muscles of the face relax. Relax your butt. And with all this relaxation, Take a deep breath and on the exhale, relax more. And on the next inhale, open your eyes. So by saying I, if this occurred for you, how many of you started to relax? How many of you felt a change in temperature in the room? How many of you started to generate saliva in the mouth? Okay. These are some of the signs that you're beginning to meditate, that you're beginning to go into a different state of being so that you can relax. And along with that, another tip. So if you feel when you sit still that your mind, a lot of times what happens is as soon as we start to go to that place, we uh, grip or grab, and it's because of past, we go to that sympathetic, and we start getting in our mind. If you go back to your breath and do deep breaths, it switches parasympathetic. So you know in little babies, they belly breathe, and you can see their belly moving a lot of times. They're always in parasympathetic. They're not in a sympathetic state. So moving your body back to that parasympathetic can help to shift that a little bit. So if you're starting to feel that in your um, in your mind, and then the only other thing I would add is um, if you're feeling pain, my back hurts, my foot hurts, you know, I feel uncomfortable. Really, um, we're not taught taught in our culture to sit with pain. We don't know how to sit with pain, and that's the bigger problem. So if you can sit with that and feel it and move through it, a beautiful space will open up on the other side of it. So those are my two tips. She's absolutely right. That's why people don't sit and meditate. <coughs> Again, going back to the basics of you don't want to feel, because what you feel is often pain, or painful, even if it's a thought. So to tie that together, obviously there are a lot of thoughts going on. Some of them are actually our conscious thoughts being generated and often the majority of them are background thoughts whirling around trying to make sense of past experiences. Or somebody says something to you that maybe didn't register as nice and that will ruminate. When you have a thought, there's going to be an emotional response in the body. 
your ability to be aware of that emotional response will in that moment allow you to ground that or let it go rather <laughs> or it's going to sit in your body and it's going to build up so that over time there's so much that's where pain comes from and then you don't necessarily want to <coughs> deal with it but the problem with not dealing with it is it just there's more of it so it's like going to a landfill it's filled with your junk that you didn't deal with so the goal is is to get to some basic stages of feeling so that you can eventually stop the accumulation and once the accumulation stops by understanding the mind then you can start to unload the backlog does that make sense so let me ask you what you were experiencing i have an idea but i would like your words <laughs> i don't know i just feel my body hot and i start to cough i don't know it's so weird <laughs> oh my god so i'm glad you did and in reality a lot of times the cough represents that you have something to say and maybe in your life you're stuffing it down and you're not speaking your truth or you're not speaking out against something that maybe needs to be communicated is that register as possible maybe i don't know <laughs> you have to think about it yeah okay so <clears throat> we're going to do another exercise now that involves the candle and this is a very basic exercise that has a lot of profound benefits So the only goal that you have is to make contact with the candle with your eyes. Now obviously as Lisa said your mind is going to do all kind of things. And so in the beginning we didn't give you a tool to deal with your mind. So you were going to experience whatever you experienced in that stillness. Right? With this exercise we're going to give your mind something to do. So just to get everybody on the same page, whether it's a word or a sentence, let's just go around and what from that stillness share what you experience total relaxation peace intense uh, energy and relaxation purity um, i got relaxed i had a lot of thoughts going through my mind but i tried not to have like any dialogue back up with them it's like, just discomforts but i tried to just look for the first time just like let them go so <clears throat> yeah, I don't like waves of peace and then tension and heat and then coolness. Uh, vibration and energy. I felt vibration but of tension on my shoulders like in my neck. Okay. The body has in it areas that have too much heat and it also has areas that doesn't have enough heat and so they represent as cold. And so when you do body work a lot of times those sensations needs to be taken out the overheat and needs to be put in heat where it's cold. So that's also represented by energy, right? So if when you're out in the cold you're using your heat to stay warm and should you stay in the cold for too long without the proper clothes you'll start to lose your energy and get cold does that make sense so from the outside analogy it's the same thing on your internal body on a regular basis except for it's 
maybe segmented into organs or segmented into parts of the body or wherever those areas of that organ meridian will run that will affect the body. So the same applies. And so you yourself, when you meditate, are doing a form of self-healing that you'll feel different temperatures as part of that unfolding. Okay? So, again, back to the candle. We need to give the mind something to do now. So Lisa's on to level two. And your breath is a perfect place to go. So the monkey mind and yours being very energetic. You're not alone with many of the people like that. When you stare at the candle, you can blink because you have to. However, the longer you can go without blinking, just as a tip and tool for those of you that wear glasses or contacts, that actually trains your eye to self-heal. Believe it. Wait, if we resist blinking? That's correct. To the point of tearing. Okay. So this is a master tool for everybody listening that wants to improve their eyesight. There are a number of tips and tools that you can use. This is one of them. So when you stare at the candle, whether you have glasses or not, it's recommended to do it within your range of comfort. So when we begin in a minute, that's the first level of concentration. The second is, is again, the posture. So not to regress, however, by saying I, how many people noticed even a little finger move, much less your hand, during that first exercise? And how about your feet? How about shifting your body? Then you've done yourself a great service because you've paid attention to that. And that means that you've already started to build your awareness, right? So that applies to this meditation practice as well. It applies to every practice you choose to do, whether it's out of a book, through a guided meditation, if explained, or that you learn from somebody somewhere. So with your breath, I want you to simply focus on trying to relax it both the inhale and the exhale as you stare at the candle. And when your mind goes to thinking a lot of things or if there's any feelings that you don't like or don't feel comfortable, revert to paying attention to your breath. Okay, so we'll do this for a period of time beginning now.
So on your next third inhale, I'd like you to look at the ceiling, look to the sky, and think of something you're grateful for to come out of this exercise. interesting is this was <clears throat> one of the first three meditation exercises that got me started on my journey. And I actually had a romance with the candle just now. I actually caught myself saying, I miss you. It was that powerful. So this exercise teaches a lot. There's a lot of layers to this and it can continue to build we did the basics here. So as always, I think for the benefit of all minds, let's go around and share what you experienced, what was difficult, what was easy. I felt like sleeping. Okay. I felt good. I could see every single movement, and I think it is a fly in here, like a little tiny one, because I could see it kind of flying around. Um, I had my eyes on the candle, but I could see, like, everything was in slow motion, so I could see the fan, I could see the light, and I could even see the sun changing outside and reflecting inside. That was cool, and I could see people, like, every legs, and then I could kind of change, and then see the, the, the middle part, and then see the heads without taking my eyes out of the candle. That was cool. I've never experienced that. Thank you. Awesome. Um, at first I found it annoying because it was bugging my eyes and I was trying to keep them open and heal my stupid eyes and um, I kept wanting to close my eyes because I felt like I didn't go to any place I was too aware you know, I couldn't relax and then I thought of that as like my heart like the fire was representing my heart you know, inside me and that's everyone's heart is like a fire burning inside them so then all I just felt was love. But I wanted to close my eyes the entire time. <laughs> but everything got hazy, it was weird. And smoky, like it was like a smoky. Yeah, I agree about the hazy. It was like everybody was an Instagram filter except the life. Yeah. And it kept changing, the filter kept changing. I'm like, I was changing my own filter on Instagram. And then eventually it started hallucinating a little bit. Like as I breathed in, the light would move up, and then I breathed out, the light would move down. I was like, I'm channeling my inner mushroom right now. I pretty much felt more like the dematerialization of the space and being able to see like building blocks of matter kind of breaking down to that graininess and just mm -hmm. feeling like the candle itself was like levitating in its space. So, and also, too, the drifty of looking into the fire, the flame is something that started my journey. So I kind of can connect with you, Ricardo, like, oh, I miss this so much. <laughs> so I'm right there with you. Um, yeah, all that. And um, <laughs> I was, like, having a war with my eye, my left eye, and I was, it was just 
it was so, so hard for my left eye to focus in, and I thought it was crazy because it's this is the eye that was tearing, and it just bothered me that it wanted to let go and it wanted to cry or you know release the the, the tear, but it couldn't, and I was just fixated on that, and that's all I could think about. I was like, why is this not? You know, and I was in my mind saying. <laughs> just let it go. Yeah, and I wasn't having it. So, yeah, it's just, but uh, it's crazy. Next time. Yeah, the same thing that he said about the filter of the Instagram. Kind of had that same feeling. But at the same time, I could only focus on that. I, I saw the lights, but it was kind of blurry. And I felt a lot of tension on my shoulder again. Um, my eyes were tearing a lot. I'm wondering. And um, yeah, it definitely felt the like dematerializing going on. Where it felt like it, I came to this feeling that like everything I, I wasn't, everything else I'm seeing is just light bouncing off people, and that there's actually just everything is energy. And so like once. My vision was only this candle, and everything else was kind of blurry. It's like it didn't, I don't know, it was cool just seeing the, like, the breakdown of that, of everything that we see every day, it's just light, and it's not, there's like other levels besides just what we see. Um, but yeah, it was hard to, my eye would just kept like, <laughs> look at something else, like, please stop looking at the candle. <laughs> but um, it's cool. Um, I felt, you know, really peaceful and really calm, and I remember really why I wanted to start all this was to the desire to just really get more in tune with my body and my mind. Um, so it was good clarity and just really good feeling. Um, I felt a lot of heat, um, whereas before, like when my eyes closed, I was very temperature neutral the whole time. But I was really hot and um, distracted and restless. Um, and then by the end, uh, I definitely calmed down and felt a bit comforted. I didn't like go anywhere else. You know, like I was very aware that I was looking at a candle in this room the whole time. Yeah. Um, strangely enough, I initially felt a pain in my right foot. and. Um, but I just focused on my breathing and went away. Felt more relaxed. I felt um, I felt like the whole room was kind of hazy. I did see the light, and then and then I just felt like I, I wanted to go to sleep. I had to catch myself from not just wanting to just go to a deep sleep. <laughs> I totally immersed myself in bathing in the wax. It was very bright, <clears throat> warm, and um, I pretty much lost consciousness in my body. Like I was floating. These are all really beautiful things that everybody experienced. And <clears throat> I think the most important thing for people to get out there is that it's individual. And although there are common threads that will cross over, and at some point we all may feel these exact same things throughout our practice, they don't come in any particular order which is nice because we're all different even though we all have a connection. So 
part of this workshop was designed to communicate for people to understand when they're meditating and what actually happens. So I'm going to refer to the doctor in the room to give the sciency background of what goes on. So we have, you know, brain waves and you know, delta, gamma, alpha, and so the with the research, the literature shows when they hook people up to um, machines to measure their brain waves when they're meditating, um, what you'll see is more alpha. Um, waves, and that's just a calming. You're not thinking, you're not quite dreaming either, you're sort of in that space in between. And then if you hook, they've done a lot of work with um, researchers with uh, Tibetan monks are meditating, and they'll do a functional MRI, and what they showed is, ironically, you don't have less blood flow, you have more blood flow, but what is different is it's throughout your whole brain. So the whole brain is connected. Instead of just one particular area lighting up with like a lot of blood flow that you're thinking, the whole brain, and then certain areas are lit up that aren't lit up when you're in the thinking mind. But you're able to, in that state, which is why you're seeing the haziness or connecting more things and the veil is able to be lifted because you're able to make connections throughout your brain that you can in normal conscious waking life. Pretty amazing. I want to address those who felt tired. Meditation is an amazing communicator to your body across the board for everything that's going on. And if you're overworked and underslept, the first thing you're going to notice when you meditate is that you're tired if you, in fact, need more sleep. And it's because you're giving yourself a chance to relax enough so that you can feel your body. And then your body's like, oh, thank goodness, you're paying attention. I need to sleep. That's why you feel tired. Okay? So it's super important that you honor that. So if you've gotten that in today's workshop, you know you probably need to take a nap when it's available to you to do so during the day and not necessarily wait till the nighttime. And for sure, go to bed a little bit earlier than you would have normally. When I first started to learn to meditate, I had a friend who put me through this practice that was rigorous, might not be the word to use, however, it was very regimented. And for about three weeks, I fell asleep every single time I did the practice with him. That's how overtired I was. I was in my 20s, I had my own business, it was insane, I did a lot of things. That's where I really got deep into meditation on a conscious level from that particular practice. And sleep, was one thing that was shown to me over and over and over and over, at least for three weeks. And then it moved on to other stages. <clears throat> so honor whatever it is that comes up because it's a big deal. And being tired is not a bad thing. It just means that you can rest and restore. So meditation is to bring us into a parasympathetic state. Sleep is to bring us into a parasympathetic state. Your brain, as Lisa described, that gets more blood flow doesn't actually change fluid and your spinal fluid as well unless you sleep. And we're talking deep sleep at that. So what happens when you have vivid, active, intense dreams, astral realities, like when you are solving like space galactic issues, like are you still in a deep sleep there or are you not really sleeping? 
This has been a um, part of my researcher journey because I um, feel personally when I'm in that space that I'm not getting deep sleep, so I don't feel rested. Thank you. Um, however, what I'm learning is those dreams are your subconscious with different feelings and emotions. So if you log your dreams, you can see themes and you can see those are emotions that you actually need to look at while awake or work on with meditation. And then the dreams become less and you get more of a deep sleep. So um, it's a fascinating subject. And so you talk can't, about it. You can talk about it more after. It. Like there's a lot to go, but that's how I would um, address that. I don't think that you get as deep per the literature and the scientific part yeah. when you're dreaming like that as that deep, um, deep sleep. And if you look at babies' sleep, they sleep so much when they're newborn, and a lot of their sleep is actually in that dreamlike state, that REM, because you can see their eyes fluttering and moving, but they do go through those deep little um, intervals, but they're short. Yes. They have a lot of them. So our deep intervals are actually, even if they're short, if we can actually sink into that, it doesn't, we can get rest, so. And so I'm going to answer that question, that's, that's very accurate, I'm going to answer that question in the context of meditation to drive that point. If when you're meditating and your mind's active, how much relaxation does your body experience? If when you're meditating and your mind is blank, how much can you feel your body totally let go and restore? So it's the same principle as when you're sleeping. Now, the more you meditate on a daily basis, the more you're going to support your ability to sleep deeper. Because in reality, if you were to sit on the couch, so this is very passive for those of us who are very nervous about meditating or don't understand it or just feel like it's a crazy world or it's too broad or you're not going to do it right or any of your excuses or concerns that are valid, this is a passive way to experience a benefit from meditation. Find a comfortable chair or a comfortable couch. Make sure that your phone's off, the TV's off, the dog, the cat, they're, they're put away, preferably alone. You don't have to use the bathroom. You're not hungry, whatever. I want you to sit on the couch and do absolutely nothing. So if you have the urge, oh, I gotta go write this down because I have to do this later. You don't do that. The AC must be set to your comfort because you can't get up to go change that or the fan or anything that would distract you otherwise. Make sure you have a glass of water first or you peed before and you do nothing. And slowly but surely over the course of a half hour and you're not looking at the clock, mind you either. You are literally allowing yourself complete surrender. Now, doing this in the park, assuming no one comes up and talks to you, is an even more fantastic way to do it because you get the energy exchange from the outdoors, the earth, etc., the sun, what, what have you. However, if you choose to do it inside and you sit on a couch and you follow this regimen of non-distraction without your even realizing initially, your brain will start to provide you all the answers and solutions to all the things that you've been concerned and thinking about. Period, end of story. And after you've gone through about four, five, six, or 10 of those, you start to recognize, oh wow, oh wow, 
all of a sudden, I know what to do now. I know what not to do now. And then the trick in that moment is not to get caught up in what's going on and to continue to allow it. It is a cousin to virtually lucid dreaming in your waking state. Because you're being, you're being still enough to allow the mind to open up and discover all those seeds that have already grown into answers that are waiting for you to pay attention to. But how can you realistically pay attention to it if you're constantly putting new things in front of it? It's impossible. It's like having weeds grow around your fruit tree and you forgot that your fruit tree was there. How can you enjoy the fruits of your labor through your mind's work if you can't allow those seeds to mature and then allow them to be seen? So Tiffany had a session yesterday and she told me that today at Rosh Hashanah, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the cool things that I learned was that you try something new, a fruit on that holiday. And my papaya tree that's grown in the last year, monstrously tall with 35 plus papayas, we just pulled off two of those. That's why we have this kitchen so that other people can try them. Not only because I was excited to share, however, it worked very well to coincide with this tradition. And so there is an example of making sure that my Bogensvia doesn't grow high enough so that it takes over and the leaves can't protect the papaya from growing. Making sure the space around it. Something interesting to that, you're gardening yourself constantly. This is the point of awareness. This is the point of having a practice to build the concentration that affords awareness, the awareness that allows you to have perspective, the perspective that then provides you an opportunity to do it differently. Because if you do it the same every day, you're going to have the same day every day. So if you're anxious every day and your perspective doesn't change, how is your anxiety going to shift? Or how are you going to prevent more anxiety from being created better, right? That papaya tree has most of its competition, which is the last thing in a human life, I feel, that should be brought forward because there's less cultivation when that occurs. And when you're fully cultivated, there is no competition because you stand alone. However, most of the vegetation is behind the papaya. So what does the papaya do? It puts its roots in that direction to ensure that there's space for it to be able to stabilize and grow. But what did it fail to do? It failed to put as many roots on the other side where there isn't the same competition. It's not well balanced per its surroundings. So I had to put a brace for it not to fall and then slowly it started to stabilize even though it was on that side. When you meditate, you find the part of you that's not stable. And it's an opportunity to start to stabilize it. Everybody in New Orleans knows that these oak trees have the wildest abilities to grow in the rarest of circumstances, putting roots on one side and the tree has grown full across the street. That's us. We are walking trees that forget we have roots. And part of meditation is our ability to tap into them, to develop them, to strengthen them, and most importantly, to water them so that they can expand and they can relax into being who they are 
which allows you to be who you are, which is unwavering but bendable. Tell me what's going on with you. Being present in the moment is also an art. Yeah. And it has a lot to do with taking all of the junk that's in your world and removing it enough to see where you're at. So here's something else that people don't do a lot. Let's stand up and stretch for a minute. Let your butt have a break. to earth, open, and our bodies are strengthened internally 
to that calibration of energy that's available will receive it. And it's available to anyone who wants it. The more restrictive, the less blood flow. The more restrictive, the less energy. The more open, the more possibility. The more active exercise practice and mental awareness to opening, the more that's available to you. And it's incremental. And sometimes you'll go forward, there'll be some fear and you'll go backwards and you'll close up a little bit. But the beauty of that is, is that to reopen what has been opened is easier the next time around. And so it's not like starting again. It's just being aware that you had stopped. A beautiful practice that one of my teachers taught is Qigong, a static practice. It's non-moving. And we can take the principle of the meditation and the mind. If the mind is constantly moving, how much relaxation can you truly have? If the mind is still, like a pond, how much will the body reflect that? So if the practice is static and you're concentrating your energies in the body to be trained to open up in those areas, it's different than if you're moving and since all things are energy, in that movement, naturally, you will feel some energy. However, how much are you training and cultivating your insides to always feel that? There's a difference. You can do things fast all day long. Most people do. It's very challenging to do things slow. If you can do things slow, certainly you can do them fast. In fact, you can likely do them fast more accurately. But if you do them fast all the time, what's the probability of you having accuracy in that speed with circumstances that you cannot expect? That is our lives as we choose to live them. They can be fast and directed by social media and television and news and the goings-on of your neighbors and friends and family. Or they can be directed and controlled by you yourself, which is the only thing you can control, is your breath and yourself, your reactions, non-reaction. So I'm going to give you the master raindrop. And here it is. There's a lot of talk of we are all one. But how come we aren't all winning? Leaving competition aside as kind of a pun. If you yourself can go inside and make yourself whole as one, from head to toe, inside to out, full circle, heaven and earth, emotion, physical, intellectual, spiritual, in every way possible, where you're not moved by the words or actions of others, where you stand in your truth when all things come at you, when you are able to exist as an example of wholeness, where your truth reigns and radiates with energy that goes far beyond the city you live in. It's in that moment that you become one with yourself, with your maker, with the things that you have made out of your life that torment you and bring you joy. Then you can see others. That is the oneness. And in that wholeness and oneness of the individual, the whole can be seen 
but it's not simply because we are all one and then we will be whole. So meditation is necessary. Some form. Walking can be a meditation, but keep in mind it's moving. Does that make sense? All moving meditations in Qigong are valuable after the initial foundation has been laid and cultivated. Because then you have roots. And just as trees stand still, they're all networked, every last one of them across this planet. That is why the old ways were the wind that send the messages were heard from anywhere and everywhere from those who were in touch at one with themselves and could hear. Because there was no barriers for that to be sent. And you are but a walking tree that must find its roots first. And it takes diligence, takes persistence. You have to be having a consistent practice. You should choose one thing and stay with it until it becomes yours. Until you feel its benefit. Until in the face of chaos, you could simply think of that practice. And in that moment, you get the same benefits in that moment of chaos that you would have gotten if you were sitting in your own personal practice like that. When that happens, you can build your practice. And you can move on to the next thing. If I think of that candle, I get all the benefits that we shared today. Today that candle made me cry for the first time. I missed it so. And you're right, the fire inside, as long as there's a spark from that dark space that we live in sometimes when things are hard, it must be that spark that brings the light. And for those of you who are going through or have gone through traumatic, horrible experiences, things that should have never happened, these things are your keepsakes of power and energy to understand that the darkest hours provide the greatest light when we come out of it. And in that light, that becomes your spectrum. The same thing you were talking about, about the filters and the change and the energy. Everything in that candle, the highlight of everything in this room was that candle's fire. For me. That candle represents something very deep in everybody's DNA. Everyone at one time in history, from wherever you come from, whichever continent, you sat around the fire, you ate with the help of the fire, you warmed to the fire, you protected from and with the fire, you slept with hot rocks that came from the fire in a cold night. You survived because of fire. That fire activates your parasympathetic nervous system simply because you need it in your digestion. You need heat in order to generate through the enzymes and otherwise. So that fire is not necessarily romantic as much as it is a recognition of comfort and safety. And that's why it's valuable to use as a tool. Now, 
you're in the office and you need a quick five minutes of this practice, you can choose anything to look at. It does not matter as long as you remain in contact visually with it. But I wanted to offer you that as a value to wanting to use a candle. Okay. So let's do one more thing. Let's everybody become comfortable again in your postures. Close your eyes. I want you to think of a color, the first one that comes to mind. I want you to feel that color in your body. Expand your heart just a little bit, open and give it space. It's okay to be you. You're safe. Notice any hesitations and be okay with those too. your throat just a little bit more so the truth inside of you can come out like opening a door. And then ascend to your brain and feel your cranium 
crack open like a thousand piece puzzle in all directions. So you can feel your own personal cosmos. Feel the energy around you, but don't judge it. Think of somebody that you love very much. you love them. to a mirror in your mind and see who's there that may or may not look exactly like you. However, I want you to love them too. Offer yourself a deep gratitude for taking the time to be with you. Remember that you are your own first friend, client, patient. It's about you. You must center yourself by being self-centered enough to have a practice that allows you to be cultivated from the inside out. Let's take three deep breaths. 
and open your eyes. So, very beautiful. Thank you all very much. I'd like to just ask the group if there is anything, idea, or thought that you might like to have in the future for next month's workshop as a topic. And it can be multiple topics per se, if there's more than one. Anything that comes to mind? I've been curious about Alpha because I've been told at a young age that I automatically go into it. So if we're able to do any techniques or anything to help just dive into the Alpha state more, I'm just open to learning more about what Alpha means with me. So I'm going to take the opportunity to not only talk about Alpha in that context, but to talk about Alpha in the sense of male, female, our place in the world, leadership, and the idea that living in an alpha state versus living in a beta state, following followers versus following the leader versus being a leader of self. Well, that just spewed out. You had the whole bunch of things. I mean, in essence, to answer your question directly today, the more you do a practice such as Qigong or meditation, the more you bring yourself into an alpha state. And the idea is, is to live in an alpha state without being an alpha. Oops, did I say that? <laughs> so, there's water in cups if you'd like. My husband's definitely coming to that. <laughs> <laughs> so, in reality, Alpha is a state of healing. And this practice of what you choose can help start to cultivate that. So just to reiterate it, I can't say it enough. You have to do something daily. It's better for you to practice every day for five minutes than to practice one day for five hours. Because your body remembers and wants that repetition in order for you to make it a regularity in your mind's changing and adoption of that state of being. Yeah? Um, so one thing I want to add to that, just the importance if you, so for me, um, to make it a ritual like brushing your teeth. Um, so if you can find that space and maybe, um, I always like to reward myself, which is an uh, issue in and of itself. But, but um, so I have like a specific blanket and an area that I sit in a specific time of day. Morning is best, but if you can carve out any time of day. If you could just do it for five minutes. Once you do it, it takes about 30 days to have a habit and build that program in your brain. If you can do it, then you'll want to do it. It'll be like if you don't brush your teeth, you know, your mouth feels, ugh. It's like that. If you don't sit and you have your meditation, you just feel, ugh. So if you could just find, and eventually when you go to sit, you'll feel all those feelings right away. And so that it takes a little bit of time. And Marsha, you can probably attest to that. It takes, like, consistence of just doing it. So at first, you'll have a lot of resistance to it. And so that's why I say a blanket that you like or something that you like, because then it makes it more, you know, you get a little bit more excited about it. But you just have to do it. And I 100% know if you stick to it, within a month, you will find some peace in it. And then, like me, when I went back to meditation after not doing it for about 10 years or 15 years, it took actually three months of a daily practice for me to finally, like, love it again. And so it was actually longer than a month. It took three months of me, like, oh, this is it. Um, 
you just have to be persistent and consistent. Cool. Does anybody have any questions? Any comments? Anything you want to tell the world? Thank you. Wait, you know what I'm going to say? Which you're going to laugh. You're going to laugh at me. All I keep thinking about is you looking at him going, what an awesome guy that I'm with. Like, that's all. Like, <laughs> I was, no, but just through his voice and what he's saying, I think that's awesome. Hopefully yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, with that said, we really hope to have more people getting into some seriously deep quality, well-communicated relationships of which we feel that this is a foundational need to create. And we will be delving into that a little bit more. So thank you, Poe. If you have a topic you would like to discuss or have questions about, send an email to Matthew at MatthewAndSira.com. Thank you for listening and joining us today. Blessings and grace to you and your family. Disclaimer, all the information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not establish a doctor-patient or therapist-client relationship, which is only formed when you sign an agreement in person. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional For any medical questions, consult your primary care physician. Thank you.